Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of From My Point of View. It is Monday, October 23rd, and I only say that because there's a lot happening tonight. Uh, there is elimination games, game seven between the Astros and the Rangers. They had a crazy uh, game five on Saturday and then game six on Sunday, and uh, it was... The Astros dominating uh, three straight wins in Texas or in Arlington specifically because they're both, you know, in Texas. But uh, three straight wins for the Astros after the Rangers went up to nothing, which last week I said the Rangers looked like they were on pace to get to the World Series. And of course, I jinxed them because now they're in a game seven uh, tonight. So we also have uh, the Phillies are back in Citizens Bank Park. They're up 3-2 to two against the Diamondbacks, who the Diamondbacks made this a series. They were down 2-0. They won two games to make it 2-2. Then the Phillies won game five. They're up 3-2 going back to Citizens Bank Park. And I, I like the Phillies here too. I'm going to parlay that bet. I'm going to bet on the Rangers and the Phillies to win tonight. Uh, and that is going to be my, I guess, uh, my prediction. And we'll know whether I was right or wrong, depending on who gets to the World Series. But uh, recording on Monday to get, you know, we're not going to be able to talk about Monday Night Football or or the, the two remaining playoff games that are on tonight, unfortunately. But it's just Tuesdays. I'm trying to see Killers of the Flower Moon. I want to go tomorrow. It's just been kind of hectic and all that. And I, I just think today was the better day to record, to be honest with you, you know, scheduling and whatnot. But yeah, uh, we'll discuss basically every every outcome, every scenario for the Rangers, Astros, Phillies, and Diamondbacks, and basically what each outcome would le- would be for this this their for uh, that, those franchises and how you know good or bad. Uh, NFL Week Seven, um, interesting games. The Bills might be fraudulent. The Giants got to win against Washington like they always do, which is just nice to see, I guess. I, I don't know how I really feel about the win, to be honest, just because it, it makes me very confused about the team and the season and all that kind of stuff. You know, people are already talking about should Tyrod Taylor start over Daniel Jones, even if Daniel Jones is healthy, yada, yada, yada. Uh, the Eagles beating up on the Dolphins pretty pretty easily like that that game was 17 to 10 at the half and then the dolphins were able to tie it in the third 17 17 but after that it was all eagles so uh a good win for them but the dolphins now again storylines can the dolphins actually hang and compete with people and where with teams that have players equally as talented as the Dolphins because we know the Dolphins are extremely talented. Um, they are banged up right now and they did get banged up over the course of this game versus Philly. They also got absolutely hosed by the refs. But regardless, uh, I, I do think Philly just flat out looked better than them. So we'll we'll talk about Sunday night football um, and the rest of week seven, of course. So let's let's recap the AL and NLDS. Uh, I said the crazy game between the Astros and Rangers on Saturday. It was actually Friday night. Uh, so I got a little mixed up there. Um, 
So my fault. Got a little mixed up there. But uh, Thursday night, the Diamondbacks, they went on a walk-off in the ninth. Um, Cattell Marte comes up clutch for them, and that actually put them on the board. So that was their first win of the series, down 2-0. There's, it was a pitcher's duel through and through with a couple of unlikely pitchers. Ranger Suarez for the Phillies and Brandon Fatt from uh, the the Diamondbacks. Unlikely pitchers duel, really, because you don't you have so many good pitchers on both on both these teams to have these two guys who were, you know, they're back end rotation guys. Um, I think Brandon Fat's actually a rookie. So he is uh they both threw absolute gems. I mean, uh Fat went P-F-A-A-D-T. Fat Fat. I think I'm saying it right, but he went five and two thirds, two hits, no earned runs, 70 pitches, which feels like, you know, he probably could have went a little bit longer, but they pulled him. And then Ranger Suarez, five and a third, three hits, one walk, seven Ks, 69 pitches. So neither one of them really going deep on the pitch count, but nonetheless throwing gems for their respective teams. It was 1-1 going to the bottom of the ninth and Cattell Marte, as I said, coming in clutch. And then uh, the ALDS game four. So there was game three, the NLDS game four, the ALDS. Uh, Astros, they blow out the Rangers 10 to three and tied the series at two. There's really not much to say there. I mean, they, they completely steamrolled them. Um, but Friday's games were epic. Uh, the NLDS with the Diamondbacks, they scored three runs in the bottom of the eighth to mount a comeback against the Philadelphia Phillies who were, uh, they mounted their own comeback. So Diamondbacks jumped out to a two nothing lead here. And then in the 4th, 5th, 6th, and 7th inning, the Phillies were able to score a total of 5 runs. So they were up 5-2, to two, heading into the bottom of the 7th. Arizona was, put, was able to put one run on the board. It was 5-3. to three. And then in the bottom of the 8th, as I said, 3 runs for the Arizona Diamondbacks. And they go and shut the door in the top of the ninth to steal a win 6-5 to five over the Phillies and tie the series at 2. A huge win. Once again, for the Diamondbacks, two unbelievable a walk off and then a, a come from behind win in the bottom of the eighth and then sealing it in the top of the ninth uh, for the uh, the Diamondbacks. So their two wins, really tight comeback efforts, uh, really exciting baseball. And then Friday. So Friday was like the the crazy day for, for playoff baseball, because the other game you had to come from behind win for the Phillies was the late night slate. But before that was the Astros and Rangers where the Astros won 5 to 4. Now the Rangers were up 4 to 2 heading into the top of the ninth. Uh Chapman had come in for the 8th and had a a solid strong outing and then Jose Leclerc who comes in, he's generally pretty he's been good, he's been solid. I have mentioned in the past the bullpen for the Rangers is an issue, but he's been pretty solid, the bullpen's been pretty solid and you're winning 4 to 2 here. But it was uh, it was brutal. So to start the, the top of the ninth, you get a single by Diaz, a walk by uh, who, who walked Singleton walked. And then you get back to the top of the lineup. Jose Altuve. Right now, Altuve has the second most home runs in postseason history. Second most behind Manny Ramirez. He's three behind Manny Ramirez, who has 29. He has 26 home runs. And if you're interested, the top four are Manny Ramirez with 29, Altuve now with 26, 
Bernie Williams with 21 and Derek Jeter with 20. So Altuve just, I mean, the dude is like, he's so clutch. Like he really, really, really is. Uh, I've seen it time and time and again, obviously as a Yankees fan with how many times they played in the playoffs over the last few years. He, whenever they need a hit, man, he just comes through clutch time and time again. And he ripped crushed a home run into left field to take a five to four lead where then um ironically enough the astros were just retired one two three after that home run so they end up going on to win that game five to four a bone crushing loss for the rangers who would have went up three two going back to houston but instead they find themselves down three to two uh and then on sunday they played again but well for a second, the just a crazy, crazy games, two crazy games on Friday. Uh, and then on Saturday, the Phillies, they kind of bounce back from these two come from behind last down to the, like the last inning losses to the Diamondbacks and their offense kind of wakes up. They have Zach Wheeler, who's just been, I think, by far the best pitcher in the playoffs easily. Uh, he's definitely one of the best pitchers in the league, but you know, he almost kind of goes through the motions. Like he's never this dominant in the regular season. He has good stats. He's a good pitcher. Don't get me wrong at all, but he like turns up to another level in the playoffs. He's able to tap into something extra in the playoffs and really like empty the tank. And he dealt um, in game five here. He went seven innings, six hits, one run, one walk, eight strikeouts, 99 pitches for Zach Wheeler. And no another incredible performance for him for the Phillies and their bats came alive uh Schwarber Harper and Real Muto all homered in this game they win six to one and then uh Sunday now we're almost caught up uh the Rangers win eight to two this was a pretty close game up until the last couple innings which this game was close up until like the last inning of the game. You know, it wasn't a, a total blowout nine to two or eight. And no, I said eight to two, it's nine to two um, because it was four to two heading into the top of the eighth. Rangers got an insurance run in the top of the eighth to make it five to two. And then in the top of the ninth, Adolis Garcia hits a grand slam to make it nine to two, blow it wide open. That probably felt good for him because he was in, the conflict Saturday, which we didn't really talk about, but or the conflict Friday, which again we didn't really talk about, but we will in a second. Um, big big home run for him. He felt good. I'm sure that felt good for him. Um, but back to Saturday, why that was like a significant grand slam for him was he launched a home run in the bottom of the six to take a lead. So the Rangers were down two to one, and Garcia's home run put them in the lead four to two. You know, he did the bat flip, the celebration. He was hyped. And then the next time he came up, uh, Abreu hit him with a pitch. And he got pissed. He immediately got in Maldonado's face, which I don't, I mean, I guess he was just, rather than charge the mound, he he just dis voiced his disgust with them to the catcher. Uh, and they were screaming at it. He was screaming at him. And then the benches cleared. And Garcia kind of, was doing like the hold me back thing, but then got loose and got close to Abreu only to like backtrack and be like, well, I'm not actually going to hit this guy. I don't want to get suspended. Um, Abreu was suspended, I think, two games, and he's currently appealing it, I believe. So we have to wait to see what the um, what the the verdict is on that. 
but he, I don't know if he'll be available for game seven. Uh, it was a bit weird. You know, Verlander was doing who Verlander pitched this game, by the way, who he let up four earned runs. He's been iffy a little bit this playoffs. He's got a couple of tough starts, but with this, he he made a good point in the end, Verlander, because he was being interviewed post game and was like, I get that, you know, umpires, they're trying to take away that like hit by pitch retaliation that teams do, even though it still happens. You really got to pick your spots when you're going to do that. But he said, you know, it doesn't really make any sense that we would do that on purpose. You know, because in that situation, they're down two runs and Garcia got hit in the eighth inning. This took place, this this brawl, this whatever. This took place in the in the bottom of the eighth. Ironically enough, in the top of the ninth, Altuve ended up hitting a home run to put Houston in the lead. But uh, in the bottom of the eighth inning, you're down two runs. Like, why would you want to put an extra base runner on base when you're already down two runs? which to Verlander's credit makes a ton of sense. Like you don't really want to do that. So like Garcia being like, oh, they hit me on purpose. I understand why they would, why he would think that because they're pissed. He jacked a home run to put them in the lead. He celebrated the bat flip, the screaming at his own dugout, all that jazz. But at the same time, like strategically for the Astros, it would make absolutely zero sense to retaliate in that situation. Like if you're going to retaliate, do it in game six because this is only game five so in game six first at bat if you really want to like to send a message that's when you plunk garcia so things definitely getting a little testy between these two teams uh we'll see how game seven plays out but to to talk about the games that are happening tonight as i'm recording the diamondbacks that's the first game at five o'clock i'm glad that they're not overlapping at all first game at five second game at eight TBS and Fox. Um, the Diamondbacks at Phillies again. They're down three to two, facing elimination. Merrill Kelly's going for them. Aaron Nola is going for the Phillies. I'm going to be betting on the Phillies. Like I said, I'm going to parlay a little money line action Phillies uh, and the Rangers to win because that's who I want to see in the World Series. And sometimes I bet with my heart, and that's okay. Maybe it gets me in trouble. Sometimes it works out. Uh, I bet on the Rangers last night to win, to force a game seven, and that worked. So uh, we're going to go with the Phillies to win this game. Looking to go back to the World Series again. Uh, they got some unfinished business. They want to win that World Series. They're certainly built for it. They got great pitching, good bullpen. The offense is alive. I think them versus Texas is, would be a unreal matchup of offenses. And I think that would just come down to who has the better starting pitching which right now, I mean, you know, Montgomery and Nathan Avaldi, who threw that game last night, is a stud. Like, he's just, he's built for the postseason, much like I gave praise to Zach Wheeler. Uh, that same praise definitely needs to be given to Nathan Avaldi because he just absolutely shreds offenses in the postseason. He, he's dealing at the highest level that he can. Uh, so credit to him. But uh, with the Phillies and Diamondbacks, Nola versus Kelly. You're going to have a pretty good pitching duel there. I just, I mean, the Phillies losing at Citizens Bank Park two times in a row just doesn't really feel like that's going to happen given how dominant they've been at home. So even if somehow Arizona was able to force a game seven, I would be shocked if 
they were able to win two games in a row in Philly. Uh, so for that reason, I'm going with Philly. But otherwise, like the Diamondbacks, an incredible run. Obviously, uh, getting as far as they have, no one really expected. They are certainly a Cinderella team this year. Um, they are trying to prolong their season, get back to the World Series for the first time since they won in 2001. Um, it's they're they're a good team. They're a young team uh, mixed in with some veterans, but for the most part, like their core is going to be there for a couple years. You could see them, you know, sneaking into the playoffs. I don't think they're right now as it stands good enough to win like the NL West, but they certainly are a, a competitive team um, and, and they should be competitive for the next few years. Definitely. Uh, especially with, you know, Corbin Carroll leading the way for them uh, just Corbin Carroll. And then, you know, Zach Gallen being those, those two young guys who a dominant ace and then uh, a guy who's already, I mean, he already competed at an MVP level this year, Corbin Carroll. So he he's an absolute stud. Um, so bright future for the Diamondbacks, but the Phillies, like they're, they're locked in to win now. They are, they have all the pieces. I think Nola's a free agent after this year. So like you want to try and win one before you have to kind of decide what you're going to do with him. Um, Bryce Harper is not getting any younger and he's been banged up the past couple of years, but obviously when he's healthy, he's one of the best players in the entire planet or on the entire planet. So uh, I'm going to take the Phillies and then with the Rangers and Astros, you have Christian Javier going for the Houston Astros and Max Scherzer going for the Texas uh, Scherzer already pitched once this uh, series. I think it was game three. Did not pitch well. He went four innings, five hits, four strikeouts, uh, allowed a home run, five runs, uh, five earned runs. So not a great first outing for him. That was the game that they ended up getting blown out like 10 to two or 10 to three that I mentioned. Uh, Scherzer started that game. So not great from him. You'd like to think that he's really going to come in clutch here uh, for the Rangers. That's why they traded for him. That's what, you know, he's really known for is being a, a big time pitcher. Um, so they, they have a good chance here. Their matchup versus Christian Javier is, is strong. I, I like this matchup for the Rangers. Uh, you know, there's, there's that heated, that heated, uh, that heat from, from Friday night still boiling over. I think, um, both offenses are, are really going to be locked in, uh, Altuve, Bregman, Bregman, Alvarez, and then, you know, Seager, Simeon, who's really been kind of struggling, but everyone else, uh, Garcia, the Rangers lineup, like they have been, it, it's been a slugfest. It, it's been a, a like Rocky versus <laughs> Rocky versus Cree type slugfest. You know, they, they are really battling with each other. Um, and the edge, obviously, like I said, is going to come down to starting pitching. That's what it always comes down to. What starting pitcher is going to make the least amount of mistakes in this game? I'm going to take the Rangers. Um, I think Scherzer, hopefully after that first start, has a better feel for what he can do, what pitches he has, what he doesn't have, you know, how he's able to approach each hitter because in the, the first game he pitched, you know, it was the first time he pitched in a a game like a major league baseball game in a while and high leverage situation obviously it's a playoff game 
So now maybe those nerves, I don't know if he really had nerves, but certainly that rust was shaken off. And now he's able to kind of be the guy that they need him to be. Uh, and that's what I'm banking on. So I'm going to take the Rangers uh, tonight and the Phillies to win. And we're going to have a Rangers and Phillies World Series as I had wanted last week. So with just each team, the last bit here um, for the playoffs, Diamondbacks, they only won one World Series. Back in 2001, they beat the Yankees. Haven't been back since. Uh, the Phillies, they won in 2008. Back with Ryan Howard, Jimmy Rollins, Chase Utley. Uh, they were back in it in 2009. They lost to the Yankees. Uh, have not been back since. It was a, a steady progression of decline for the Phillies. It was weird. It was World Series victory. 08 World Series victory, 09 World Series lost, and then they lost in like the NLCS, then the NLDS, and then the NLDS again, I think, uh, and then just flat out missed the playoffs for like multiple years and finished dead last in the NL East one year. Um, and it was that turnover from that peak of that team down to the trickling effect. They all got old, left, whatever, the turnover. Ryan Howard got injured, which I still remember. Made the He made the last out in the NLDS, I think it was. I forget who they were playing, but running the first base and he was thrown out at first base and fell to the ground. He tore his Achilles. It was a horrible injury. I, I remember that very vividly. Um, so that was that was sad for him. But uh, now they're back here. They're looking back to their, their first World Series victory since 2008, their first World Series appearance since last year. <laughs> uh, so the Phillies, they're they're going for redemption here. Um, the Rangers, they made back-to-back -back World Series and lost both in 2011 and 2000 or 2010 and 2011, where they lost to the Giants in 2010, and then they lost to the uh, Cardinals in 2011. And I remember, I think there was like a TV contract dispute between like Major League Baseball and the MLB, uh, the Major League Baseball and like the cable providers like Fox or something, their TV contracts is there was like a blackout for one of those games with the Giants uh, against the Giants. I, I don't remember what it was. It was weird, um, but whatever. They lost to the Giants during that crazy run that the Giants had when they won in 2010, 2012 and 2014. Uh, and then they lost in 2011 in a battle with the Cardinals, David Freese's home run, Joe Buck's call, you know, we will see you tomorrow night. Um, crazy, crazy World Series that was. Uh, an unbelievable core that they had, you know, uh, Kinsler. Um, I don't remember, Michael Young might have been on those teams, but it was Kinsler, uh, Elvis Andrus, Josh, da uh, Josh, not Josh Donaldson, Josh Hamilton, Nelson Cruz. Uh, Mike Napoli might've been on that team, but yeah, they, they had, uh, much like this, this, uh, this team is constructed a high powered offense. Um, and they went to back-to-back -back world series, weren't able to quite get there. Um, but now they're back after 11 years, 12 years, they're finally back. Well, but <laughs> well, hold on, backtrack. <laughs> Sorry, Joe. Sorry, Rangers fans. Um, they are looking to get back to the World Series for the first time in uh like 11 years. So uh, and then with the Astros, obviously a World Series win here would be the first time a team has won back-to-back -back World Series since the 98, 99, 2000 New York Yankees. 
Uh, it's been incredibly difficult to repeat as champions, much like in every sport, really. I mean, not since the ni- early late 90s, early 2000s has there ever been a repeat champ. Um, I think the Patriots in the early 2000s were the last to do it. Uh, the Lakers in the early 2000s were the last to do it for basketball. And the Yankees in the early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s were the last to do it for uh, baseball. So, and with hockey... Hockey was pretty recently. I think didn't the Lightning win like two Stanley Cups in a row? So, but regardless, um, it's difficult. It's been very difficult to be back to back and repeat as champions in in these sports for many many years now. Um, But the Astros, I mean, this is this is a this is a dynasty. Like this is an Astros dynasty. They have two World Series. They've made. Four World Series, seven straight ALCS appearances. Um, I mean, they are competing every single year, deep playoff runs, competing to make the World Series. And if they make it back to the World Series again and then end up winning it, they are definitely hands down a dynasty, um, a a very, very good one as well. Like they have been incredible and I hate them, but they are very, very, very good. but that's what we're looking at for these four, the four outcomes for these these teams. Uh, the NBA returns on Tuesday. Woo! The NBA. We have Lakers and Nuggets at 7:30 and Suns Warriors at 10 o'clock. Um, the Lakers, you know, LeBron AD going up against the defending champ Nuggets, rematch of these uh conference finals. So Jokic, Jamal Murray, the defending champs, taking on the Lakers at home. They're the first game at 7.30. And then the Suns, Katie, Book, Beal. Finally, they're going to be playing together for the first time in a actual game. Um, they're playing the Warriors, Steph, Clay, everyone else. They are uh, looking to see if they can make another deep playoff run. Um, the Suns. I think they they got some good depth trading Aiton, so I, I think that depth issue, ideally for the regular season, it works out. We'll see what happens with them in the playoffs once we get there. But it's not even game one yet, so let's uh we'll pump the brakes on that. <laughs> but two very good games. I'm very excited to watch seven thirty and ten o'clock on Tuesday, as I said. So uh, excited for basketball to be back, and I'm looking forward to this season. My Knicks are. I, I like them. I like our chances, man. I don't know. We're we're definitely a superstar away from like competing for an NBA Finals, but they are going to have a good year. They're going to be a good team. I think they're going to be a top five team in the East pretty comfortably, if we're being honest. Um, so I'm excited to see what my Knicks have to offer. Their first game, uh, I would imagine, is Wednesday. Versus the Celtics, 7 o'clock, ESPN. Gotta love it. All right, NFL Week 7, let's get into it. Um, This is going to be a long episode anyway, but let's look at NFL Week 7. The Monday night game, which we're not going to be able to talk about, is the Niners and the Vikings, but I would be shocked if the Vikings win this game, even though they're home. Um, The Niners might be without Christian McCaffrey. I I think he's a game-time decision. Uh, so we'll see if he ends up playing or not, but regardless, I'd still like the Niners here. They're seven point favorites, which 
I might take the Vikings to cover the seven points, but other than that, you know, I can't see the Niners flat out. I can't see the Niners losing this game outright. I just can't. Uh, the Thursday night game, quick recap there. Jaguars 31, Saints 24. The Saints had a chance to tie the game at the end, but Foster Moreau let a hand go right, bounce right off his fingertips. A disgusting loss for the Saints. It was a disgusting game. The Jaguars were actively trying to hand the Saints a W in New Orleans, and the Saints just didn't want any part of it. So they're they put up the most, the Saints put up the most hollow stats without actually putting points on the board. I mean, they didn't put points on the board until the fourth quarter where they put up 15. You know, three field goals in the first three quarters. Three in the first, three in the second. Like uh, three points in the first, in the second, and in the third. And then they put up 15 in the fourth. So they didn't weren't able to actually do anything offensively until late. Their red zone offense has been putrid. Um, Alvin Kamara had 12 catches for 91 yards and 17 carries for 62 yards. I bet on Alvin Kamara big. I had him in a parlay. I had him um, with Christian Kirk and ETN. That hit. I had him rushing plus receiving. That hit. I felt good this weekend. My bet with, I bet the Cardinals plus five and a half first half that hit. Uh, and then I bet the Rangers money line I beat Houston in that hit. So my, my betting has taken a turn for the better here, but uh, they, there was no way the Jaguars should have won this game at the very least. It should have went into overtime, but uh, I, st- I mean, the Jaguars are five and two. I, I still don't think they're very good. I, I'll, I'll keep saying it. I don't care. I was, I was right about the charges and I think I'm right about the Jaguars as well. Uh, Giants commanders, the Giants beating Washington again. And I'll give, I, I said it last week against the Bills, even though the Giants lost, this defense is good. This defense is good. They played the Bills hard on uh, Sunday night football and they were able to kind of stifle Josh Allen that and that offense. Unfortunately, they couldn't hang on as hard as as much as they needed to late. The Bills were finally able to break through late and put a couple points on the board to secure a victory where the Giants offense just wasn't able to score a touchdown. You know, they were able to move the ball, but they got into the red zone and red zone. And then that was it. Um, So that was the biggest issue in that game. But the defense played really well. And again, here against a, a Washington team that we have seen put up points they were able to stop to hold them only to seven points. And this game went right down to the wire. There were a few mistakes, um, co- coaching mistakes in terms of like clock management and stuff that ended up giving Washington the ball back with a chance to tie it at the end of the game. Uh, but the Giants defense held strong inside. I think it was the 10, might even been the five. Uh, they held strong and were able to turn it over on downs. Um and, and secure this win. Tyrod Taylor had a good game. He had two touchdowns. Barkley, 21 carries, 77 yards. And Darren Waller finally with the biggest game of his Giants career, seven catches, 98 yards, and a touchdown for Darren Waller. So huge game for him. Uh, again, this defense looks really good. They have been playing really well the past couple games. Um, the offense, I mean, you're always going to have it now, with especially because how Tyrod Taylor played against the Bills and then how he played now against Washington. People have to ask, which I rather they really didn't because it's a silly question, but should Tyrod Taylor start over Daniel Jones when Daniel Jones is healthy enough to play, when he is cleared to play? My answer is no. You signed Daniel Jones to a contract. Um, Granted, people might not like that contract, but 
at least for this year and next year, you're locked into Daniel Jones. That's just that. That's what's going to happen. So you are you're locked in. That's it. He he is your quarterback for the next couple of years. There's no way Tyrod Taylor is going to be the starting quarterback of this team when Daniel Jones is healthy enough to play. And I think there are some things that need to be cleaned up with Daniel Jones. Um, first, first and foremost, uh, the Giants' offensive line made a very big adjustments against a good Washington front four that are able to rush and pressure the quarterback. They did all right; like they did good enough to for the Giants to be able to like put points on the board um, and at least move the football, but. That is still like a huge work in progress, but you know, Daniel Jones is this, this team's quarterback. I don't want to hear about like, Oh, Tyrod Taylor should start. It's like, this is a disgusting stat and it's really just depressing, but this was the first home touchdown. The Giants scored all year. It was the first, first half touchdown they scored all year. Um, so it was a big moment. And I think that's why people were like, maybe Tyrod Taylor should start, but like, it's not like he's putting up, you know, 25 to 35 points in the last couple games. He's played for the giants where it's like a stark drastic difference between what Daniel Jones has been able to do and what Tyrod Taylor has been able to do. Uh, I think it's just a matter of circumstances. Like the offensive line was able to hold up, uh, during this game and Tyrod Taylor was able to get rid of the ball pretty quickly. But overall, like, I, I think Daniel Jones can do that. Daniel Jones can do that better than Tyrod Taylor. It just all depends on how the offensive line and how, you know, things are holding up. But, uh, yeah, don't don't miss me with that. Uh, Tyrod Taylor should be the starting quarterback bit. That is such a sensationalist take, and I won't entertain it. But the Giants do get a win. They're 2-5. and five. Washington is 3-4. and four, So a promising start. A promising 2-0 start for Washington uh, has turned into now maybe, you know, the the chariot has turned back into a pumpkin, as they say. Uh, a shocking game here in the 1 o'clock window, division rivalry. Patriots hosting the Bills, and they pull out the win 29-25. to And this was a very up and down game the bills the fraudulent bills are four and three and the new england patriots are now two and five mac jones a game winning drive this was a game that should not have been as close as it was like at the end of uh at the end of the game the patriots score with seven and a half minutes left in the fourth quarter that puts them up 22 to 10 Bills score with five and a half minutes left. It's 22 to 17. Um, and as the clock is ticking away, the Patriots are driving down the field. Kendrick Bourne fumbles the ball. The Bills get the ball back, and they're able to score with under two minutes left to take the lead 25 to 22. You think unbelievable. The Patriots gave this game away. The Bills are going to somehow come out of New England with a W, even though they shouldn't have when they struggled against the Giants last week. Now they're struggling against the Patriots this week, and somehow, someway, they're going to come out with two wins, and people are just going to be left scratching their head as to how this happened. But Mac Jones said, no, 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 I'm the, I'm the guy, and <laughs> he had the best drive of his entire uh, season, easily. 
easily. Drives all the way down the field and scores with a pass to Mike Gusecki with less than 20 seconds left to take the lead and win the game. An unreal win for the Patriots and painfully bad loss for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Patriots win 29 to 25. And now that leaves you asking the Patriots are bad. They're still bad. I don't want, I don't think anyone should really over. It's a great win for them. A great win. But the real story obviously is the Buffalo Bills. What is going on with the Bills? Um, First and foremost, their defense. We know there's people banged up. Uh, Ed Oliver was out on Sunday. Matt Milano's on IR. Tredavious White's on IR. He's out for the year. Milano's going to come back, but Tredavious White's out for the year. So right, Milano and White are like arguably their two best defensive players. So that's a huge blow for them, and that is definitely understandable. But at the same time, this Patriots team has been just absolutely god-awful on offense for basically the entire year. So to allow 29 points and a game-winning drive to them, I'm sure most people will say that's unacceptable. Uh, offensively, I don't know what's going on with them. James Cook had a really good day. Uh, Josh Allen, he looks, he's just making dumb decisions. Uh, Stefan Diggs is a diva. He's, you know, getting annoyed. He refused to speak to the media after the game. So he's annoyed. I think that's kind of starting to leak over from the, uh, from the, the offseason where there were reports that he was unhappy with Buffalo and all that, but he kind of, uh, you know, brushed off those allegations, if you want to call them that, and said, no, everything's fine. But they have been struggling offensively. I mean, they couldn't move the ball really last week until super late in the game against the Giants. Um, they were... They scored 15 points in the fourth quarter here. Other than that, like they had 10 points. All the Patriots held them to 10 points all game until really the last. Actually, you I say the fourth quarter, but really the last five minutes of the game because they scored with like five minutes to go and then they got the turnover and they scored with less than two minutes to go. That was the touchdown. So two touchdowns in whatever, uh, just three minutes span. And that's really it. That's your offense for the game. So I don't really know what the problems are in Buffalo, but I think it is safe to assume that there are problems. You know, it just to barely win a game against the against the the one in four Giants at the time, and then to come back the next week and at home that was, and then to go to New England and lose to a one in five New England team that has had maybe one of the worst offenses, if not the worst offense in football for a majority of the year. It's unacceptable if you're Buffalo, you know, those, those Super Bowl aspirations kind of go out the window in these, la in these last two weeks, because everyone's looking at them and say, yeah, they got real problems. And it's not even, you know, I said after the loss to Jacksonville, it might not have been even playing field because they had to travel to London. But here's the thing. It's been the same problem offensively for the, the last three games is that they just come out of the gate sluggish. They can't do anything like they can't move the ball. They're not passing it effectively. They're not running it effectively. And it doesn't, it takes until like the third quarter for them to actually get some momentum going. And that's happened. That happened in London. It happened against the Giants and it happened against New England. So I don't really know what's going on with the Bills, but they need to figure it out. Otherwise, I mean, you know, the Jets are a game behind the Jets are three and three. They had their, their bye week. Um, the Dolphins are five and two. They're chilling. You know, now they have a nice little cushy, cushiony lead. 
in the uh in the AFC East. So Buffalo is uh I mean they're four and three, but it's a it's an ugly four and three. Uh Browns, Colts, this game was I mean, the Colts got robbed. There was a pass interference called in the end zone at the end of the game, even though the ball was uncatchable, and the Browns were able to run it in to win this game 39 to 38. Uh Deshaun Watson sucks. He's he's flat out bad at football. Uh he left this game with what was thought to be a concussion, but I don't know if they ever really uh, ruled him out out because he was on the sidelines with his helmet. Um, so that was, I think, you know, and that's this is happening after he was medically cleared to play and just didn't the last two games. So I Deshaun Watson, I mean, I, I feel bad for Browns fans, but I don't feel bad for the Browns because you signed a deal with the devil, you gave this morally questionable person $230 million fully guaranteed. No one in the history of football has ever gotten something like that uh, at, at that point in time. Like, And this guy who, you know, he hadn't played football in a year. He hadn't been a winning quarterback in multiple years because remember the last season he played, they won, the Texans won like four games, even though he put up crazy stats. They won like four games. So... And then he sat out and last year he looked bad and he looks bad now. He's had one good game. He played one good game this year. He looks horrible and he sits out even though he's medically cleared to play. He he sat out. Um, he leaves this game, doesn't come back. Let's PJ Walker, you know, mount this comeback uh, for the, the Browns. And they're four and two. And it's thanks to this defense. Deshaun Watson has contributed basically nothing to being four and two. Uh, he deserves no credit. And honestly, I think he's he's trash. I think he's bad. So uh, the Colts, they got robbed in this game. They're three and four. Gardner Minshew played a great game. These unis that they had were fire. Uh, they were this nice all blue. They had the, the white stripes and the black helmets. Sick uniforms. Um and I'm not generally big on like the black as an alternate uh, uniform, but the black helmets with the blue uniforms and then the white stripes look look pretty cool. So, but honestly, I would like to see maybe blue helmets with like a white Colts logo and like white pants with this blue uniform. That would look sick. Uh, anyway, but Gardner Minshew played really well. Jonathan Taylor, uh, he seems to be back. 18 carries, 75 yards for him. I just, uh, you know, you can't really get mad at the Browns because how 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 bad they've been. I just, it's annoying knowing that Deshaun Watson is going to be the starting quarterback next week, uh, and they're four and two, and he ha he he deserves no credit. You know, uh, I don't like him. I I think he's a loser, flat out. Like I just I think he's a loser. That's my honest opinion of him. Um, uh, I I he doesn't excite me watching him play. Uh. Again, morally questionable, dude. And, you know, if not for this sensational Browns defense, which it's funny because the Browns defense is really good, but they allowed 38 points to the Indianapolis Colts and Gardner Minshew, who just got absolutely embarrassed and dominated the previous week by Jacksonville. So football is a weird sport, man. It's a weird sport. But somehow, some way, the Browns are four and two. Uh, Colts, though, scrappy team. Lions, Ravens, boy, oh boy, did I get this one wrong. I bet Lions plus three. 
Uh, the the Lions got it was shit. It was a shit pumping. I mean the the Ravens flat out dominated the Lions, and it wasn't close. Uh, the the Lions scored a touchdown <laughs> just at the start of the fourth quarter was their first touchdown, and that was it. I mean Jameer Gibbs. So if you're Jameer Gibbs fantasy owner, he actually showed up to play uh, and and got some stats for you. But other than that, I mean. Lamar Jackson just absolutely shredded a good Lions defense. Um, he's only had one loss in his entire career to NFC teams, which is pretty interesting. So he dominates NFC teams. And whether that's because they don't play him as much and don't really know how to defend him and compare it to AFC teams may, might be a factor. But regardless of that, credit to Lamar Jackson, who, you know, he didn't even run that much. Uh, but he threw for 357 yards and three touchdowns, 21 for 27, Lamar Jackson. So he was an absolute stud against, again, a good Lions defense. And on the other side of the ball, the Ravens defense absolutely stifled the Lions. I mean, they could not move the ball at all. This is how the first half went for the Lions. Touchdown, Ravens, punt, touchdown, punt touchdown, punt, touchdown, downs, fumble, punt, and a half. 28 to nothing at halftime. I mean, an absolute dominating performance by the Ravens on both sides of the ball. And if you're the Lions, Dan Campbell kind of said, you know, we might have needed a little bit of a wake-up call because we were, you know, 5-1 and one riding high and just, you. this wasn't even like a punch in the mouth. This was... Like, I'm going to beat you to within an inch of your life punch in the face. Like, it was it was a complete and utter, not I mean, I guess, yeah, embarrassing. But it got to the point where it's like, you can't be embarrassed because you're a good team. The Lions are a good team. Don't get it twisted. They're five and two. Both teams are five and two. But the Lions are a good team. They're going to compete this year. And they're going to win the NFC North because the Packers are bad. Um, The Bears are bad and the Vikings are bad. So they're going to run away with the NFC North this year, but uh, they had, they had a tough game against the Ravens and the Ravens just dominated both sides of the ball. And it, it really is a little bit of a wake up call. Like, all right, we may not be able to just like, win every game convinced. Like they, 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 it would be different if they lost this game and you're like, all right, it was a close game. They battled, but you can't win them all. This was like, you need to maybe look, this is a real film session game where it's like, okay, how, why did we get shredded this bad uh, on defense? Why couldn't we move the ball on offense? Uh, a big, big time film game for the Lions. Uh, Bears, Raiders, this was the grossest game on the slate. The Bears won 30 to 12. Uh, shout out to Tyson Badgent who won this game, undrafted quarterback out of Shepard. The big thing with him, his dad is like a three-time arm wrestling world champion or something like that. But he went 21-29, 162 yards and a touchdown. Dante Foreman with everyone being Roshan Johnson, Khalil Herbert being banged up in the Bears' backfield. He had a great game. Three touchdowns, one receiving, two rushing, 89 yards on the ground. Um, and then Brian Hoyer was the starter for this game. Jimmy G ruled out the Raiders are three and four. Uh, the Bears are two and five. So I'm not really going to talk about this game. It was gross. Two backups. Yeah, gross. I, 
Falcons, Bucks. The Falcons win this game against Tampa Bay. Um, barely. I mean, I think Desmond Ritter is nearing his end as a starting quarterback in the NFL. Um, Drake London, you know, he's getting some reps now. At least Drake London is there. If you're, you know, a fantasy owner of him, <laughs> you're probably pretty happy. But uh, the Bucks are three and three. Falcons are four and three. That NFC South division is wide open because the Saints are three and four. The Bucks are three and three. The Falcons are four and three. And the Panthers are winless. So that division is the worst division in football. I think it's very easy to, easy to say, which I think a lot of people kind of figured was going to happen. Although the Saints are definitely worse than some people thought they would be, including myself. I thought the Saints would definitely be a lot better, even with the Kamara suspension for the first three games. It, that, that division's gross. Uh, but Desmond Ritter, like, I mean, he's not good. You know, he's not the future. And at what point do you maybe turn it over to Taylor Heineke, who's kind of proven that he's a gunslinger and can and can really move the ball passing-wise? Uh, regardless of all of that and the questions that the Falcons have to face, the weirdest part of this game was B. John Robinson flat out not playing because he had a, a serious migraine or something like that, that that kept him out of basically the entire game. He I think I can count on one hand. You can count on one hand how many snaps he had offensively. Um it was disgusting because it wasn't it wasn't something that was disclosed pregame. It was something that happened very early on in the game. I think DraftKings said they refunded any parlays that had Bijan in it where he was the only leg that didn't hit. Any straight bets you made with Bijan got refunded in in free bets. Um, I'm not sure if like FanDuel or any other sports book, but it did it. But I saw DraftKings tweet on on, on Twitter. So, um, so a, a pretty bizarre game for Bijan Robinson, just like basically not playing at all. Uh, but Young Way Koo, the winner there, uh, the hero there, I should say, 16-13 game winning field goal for him. The Steelers are four and two, man. This, I mean, T.J. Watt had a crazy interception on Matt Stafford sprinted across the field uh catching the ball out in front but behind him in like a basket uh, and and returning it um just an unbelievable play by him didn't return it for a touchdown but an unbelievable play by him he was very 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 good i mean he is very 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 good you can argue he's the best defensive player in the league the guy is a freak uh but this steelers defense came to play the rams are 3 and 4 Pittsburgh is four and two, which I know my friend who's a Steelers fan just cannot believe that this team is four and two with the way their offense operates. Um, so up and down and they're stagnant a lot of the times and, you know, the, the disdain for Matt Canada and all that kind of stuff. So, but a, a really, really on the road in LA, a really good win for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, the Seahawks and Cardinals. I saw a crazy stat about the Cardinals. Let me see if I can pull it up. Uh, so this is from Evan Abrams from Action Network. Uh, tough beat for the Cardinals betters today. Cardinals won the turnover battle three to nothing as nine point underdogs in Seattle. Teams as seven point underdogs or higher who are three plus or better in the turnover battle were 165, six and three against the spread entering today in the wild card era. The Cardinals and as nine point dogs and three and0 in the turnover battle lose by 10, 20 to 10. 
Um, just an absolutely brutal beat. If you're a, a gambler, I bet Cardinals plus five and a half, which worked out. Bang, five and a half first half. Um, so that worked out. I enjoy. I like that. But overall, that beat tough. Um, if you're the Cardinals, Kyler Murray's activated. He has the window to be designated back to practice and then to be fully activated and play. I at what point do you just say screw it, Kyler? Just sit out for the rest of the year. And we'll come back next year with a high draft pick, get, you know, maybe Marvin Harrison Jr. If they get the second overall pick, because right now the Panthers have uh, their, their, they would get the first overall pick and their pick belongs to the Chicago Bears. So uh, right now, I think the Cardinals have, because the Patriots won, the Bears won, and the Giants won. So now they're all two and five. The Cardinals are one and six, and the, the Panthers are winless. So the Panthers pick that belongs to the Bears would be number one. And then I think the Cardinals, as of right now, would have the second overall pick where I would guess you take Marvin Harrison Jr. and pair him up with Kyler Murray for next year. That's the dream scenario, in my opinion, if you're a Cardinals fan. Like, if I was a Cardinals fan, that, like, don't let Kyler Murray come back out. Do not let him play this year. Sit him out for the rest of the year. Let Josh Dobbs play. You know, maybe you win another game, but in in all likelihood, you probably won't, which would be hilarious if you're only win at, if you're, you know, if you're one in 16 this year and your only one is against the Dallas Cowboys who are going to make the playoffs, it would be hilarious. Um, but get the second overall pick and, uh, you know, you secure Marvin Harrison Jr. Even if you have the first overall pick, I think you take Marvin Harrison Jr. I'm sorry. I Or, you know, what? if you get the first overall pick, you trade back to the second or the third overall pick to maybe play a team who needs uh, a quarterback. The first two picks can be Drake May and 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 Caleb Williams, who, I mean, Drake May just lost outright to like, they were like 23-point favorites at home to Virginia, and they lost outright, which is not great. And Caleb Williams um, has looked bad. They, they lost, USC lost badly to Notre Dame and Utah. Um, both ranked teams, both Caleb Williams didn't play well. And there's the whole narrative now, like, oh, Caleb Williams doesn't play well against ranked teams. Is this going to be a problem in the NFL? I don't think it's going to be, but it, it is certainly a little concerning. But um, overall, I mean, he's still going to be the number one overall pick. Drake May, I guess, can go either. He's going to go top five, top three, whatever. Uh, and Marvin Harrison Jr. I think those should be the first three guys off the board, although it might be, in some cases, maybe... Uh, you know, a couple defensive players in there, but Drake may will go top five. Caleb Williams, go one Marvin Harrison, will go two. whatever. If you want like a couple defensive players in there, sure. Depending on need. And then Drake may will probably go four or five, but regardless, I would not let Kyler Murray play this season. I wouldn't plan for the future, get a high draft pick, add them into your lineup. And then Kyler comes back next year because Honestly, the Cardinals haven't really been like embarrassed this year. Uh, they lost a tough one to the Rams, but like lost by four to the Commanders. The Giants had to mount a huge comeback against them in week two. They beat the Cowboys. Uh, they were in it until midway through the fourth quarter against the Niners before the Niners scored back to back touchdowns. Uh, and ended up winning 35 to 16, but that was closer than a lot of people probably thought it was going to be. Uh, Bengals, they couldn't really stop the Bengals. They lose 34 20 there. 
Again, the Rams doesn't really do anything. The 26 to nine, not a great one. And then they lose by 10 to the Seahawks. But like, they're usually strong in the first half, which is why I bet them plus five and a half in the first half and then kind of fade out into nothing and, and end up losing. But that's a good formula to have. Like you have a decent roster. If you add Marvin Harrison Jr. into a team with, you know, Hollywood Brown and and um, uh, Rondell Moore, like those are those are weapons. And then the running game, you know, running backs. This is how people think nowadays. They're a dime a dozen. Uh, so you can get James Conner when he's healthy is a good running back for them. Um, Packers next game. Packers, Broncos. The Broncos win nineteen to seventeen. Jordan Love throwing a interception in or right outside the end zone into double coverage to end the game. Uh, Jordan Love might be bad. I I don't know how Matt Lafleur really feels about him because. They don't really throw the ball until like late in the second half when they're down and they have to they have to throw the ball to move it because they can't run. But like this play calling is just bizarre to me. Um, it was the same thing before their bye on Monday night against the Raiders. They just ran the ball a ton until they were forced to pass at the end of the game, which is not really a position you want to be in. Because you look at Jordan Love, he's 21 to 31, 180 yards. So I don't I don't really know how to feel about Jordan Love. Like, because he's looked great in some instances, and in others, he's looked just absolutely horrible. So I I don't know, man. It, it's a it's a weird one. It's it's a tough one. Uh so the Packers, they just might not be very good. Uh, not, not totally sure, but, uh, Christian Watson, I think left this game again with an injury. Um, I was loosely watching this game. So, uh, the, the Broncos get a, a much needed win at 19, uh, 19 to 17. Now they have their two and five cause they, they play the chiefs again next week. So, uh, tough sledding for them, but they, they needed this win. And the Packers are, I would, I would be nervous if you're a Packers fan, like if this is actually going to be working out, I think it will don't get me wrong, but like over the last couple of games for the Packers, the play calling does not instill confidence in you as a fan. If you're watching how the Packers are playing these games, because they, they're almost, they're playing right now. Like they don't want to pass the ball which is not good. Uh, Chiefs, Chargers, I am ready for Brandon Staley to be fired. The Chargers are two and four, and Brandon Staley said after the game, we need a total reset as a team, which is not something you want to hear your head coach say after you just came off a bye week going into a game against your divisional rival and one of the best teams in football. The Chiefs are now six and one. Their one loss being against the Lions uh, in week one. But this is like, that's, you need a total reset. You just had a bye week going in ready to play the Chiefs and you lost 31 to 17. And Herbert did not play well. Two interceptions for him. Uh, I'm right about Brandon Staley. He should be fired. I'm right about the Chargers. They're not that good. And I'm right about Justin Herbert, who is a guy that just has a, a tremendous amount of, of physical talent, 
um, but just doesn't really give me the I'm a guy who can drive down the field and win us a football game. He doesn't he doesn't give that to me. I don't I don't see it. And I certainly don't feel it in terms of like confidence. Uh, and, you know, there are a lot of guys where it's like they have the ball. Two minutes left, drive down the field to win this game. And Justin Herbert is not one of those guys to me. I just I do not get that from him. And you can bitch and mo- all these like I don't want to hear it about, oh, his weapons. Mike Williams is out for the year. You know, Austin Eckler didn't really do much. Austin Eckler, my agenda of him being flat out, just not a good running back, but a he's a weapon, but he's not a good running back. 14 carries, 45 yards. There you go. Um, he had one catch, which is pretty unusual, honestly, for the Chargers offense. But I don't want to hear that excuse about, oh, he has no weapons. He has plenty of weapons. This offense is just, I don't think they are... I just don't think the Chargers are that good of a team. I, I don't. Like, they're they're two and four. Um, I would be shocked if they made the playoffs at this point because the division is locked up. The Chiefs are winning this division, and I, they're going to run away with it by probably, like, three or four games. Like, they're going to cruise to another division title. Um, and in terms of wildcard teams, like, the Steelers – are four or five and or four and two. The Browns are four and two. The Bills are four and three. And in front of you, like those, those are the guys that are are locking up those first three wild card spots. Are right now is the the Steelers, the Browns, and the Bills. And you know the entire AFC North might just make the playoffs because the Bengals are three and three. They just had their bye week. The Jets are three and three. They had their bye week. The Texans are three and three. They had their bye week. Um, and then. Even in front of you are the Titans. Well, the Titans are both two and four, but the Raiders are three and four. The uh, the Colts are three and four, and the Bengals and the Jets, I said, are three and three. So, like, you have a lot of teams in front of you, and I think it would be hilarious if the entire AFC North made the playoffs. By the way, but uh, it, it it's you're you're in an uphill battle. You do not have good odds to make the playoffs, and you know. I don't know if Brandon Staley is going to be, I think maybe one more loss. Let's look at the Chargers here. They just came off their bye week. Like I said, they lose to the Chiefs. Um, They play the Bears next week, which is Sunday night football. I have no idea why that's a Sunday night football game, but I would imagine they win that game. But if they lose to the Jets in New York and go to three and five, like why would Brandon Staley not be fired? Uh, at most, if he's lucky, he hangs on till the end of the year, and then they fire him after the season's over, after they miss the playoffs. But this is not a playoff caliber team. It's not. They don't. They don't play like it, uh, and I. They certainly aren't coached well enough to be a playoff team. So, I, I said my piece. My my opinions on the Chargers are definitely well known. Uh, the Sunday night game. Eagles, Dolphins, Eagles win 31 to 17. Uh, the Tush Push once again dominates uh their opponent and the, or the brotherly shove, the Tush Push, whatever you want to call it, um comes in clutch for the Eagles yet again in this win. And Dolphins, they got a bit banged up. 
They had a couple guys leave with injuries. They had two defenders run into each other and injure, injure each other, which is crazy. Uh, Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown had a, a crazy big game. 10 catches, 137 yards, and a touchdown for A.J. Brown. Uh, the Kelly Green uniforms, fire. Uh, I wish the Dolphins were wearing their uh, alternate white uniforms, the old, the older throwback ones, because those are fire too, which I think those should just be their permanent uh, uniforms, but whatever. Uh, the Kelly Green jerseys are fire. And uh, the Eagles, Darius Slay, late pick on Tua. That sealed the game. He picked it off uh, right in front of the end zone. I think the pass was intended for Waddle, but uh, Waddle got banged up again, and then he ended up coming back into the game. But he's been he's been banged up a little bit this year, which is you know tough for the Dolphins. Uh, they got a lot of weapons, but now Achan went out. He's on the IR, and then Waddle's been banged up. So um, still a great team, obviously, and a dynamic offense. But now they're five and two. Philly six and one, uh, and I know. I said it jokingly last last week, but like, I'm sure there is concern amongst people and even the coaching staff about are the Dolphins like legit enough to beat teams that are on par with their roster talent wise. Um, my friend who's a Dolphins fan said the Dolphins haven't beat a team over 500 in like 400 days, which I'm not. I didn't fact check him on that, but. Uh, Riley, if you're listening, that's your stat. <laughs> it's not mine. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's certainly something to think about and, and to be at least a little bit concerned about because you look at the Dolphins wins, um, at five and two and they beat the chargers week one, which if you know, you're looking back on it at the time, a great win, a shootout win. But now the Chargers are two and four. So it's like, are the Chargers that good? You know, so I think at the time, I, I wouldn't take away from that win. I would count that as a pretty good win. But then, you know, you beat up on the Patriots. Um, you didn't really beat up on the Patriots. You won 24 to 17, but you beat the Patriots, who were not a very good team, although their win against the Bills makes that win look a little bit better. Uh the the Broncos, of course, they sucked. Um, you get smacked up by the bills which again you beat the patriots who just lost the bills but the bills beat you up so that doesn't really count um beat up on the giants not a very good team beat up on the panthers not a good team and then you have the eagles so where is your quality outside i mean you really only have the chargers week one as your only quality win and with every loss that becomes less that that quality becomes less and less because the chargers are just falling apart at the seams um, and crumbling, but to get 31 to 17 in Philly to lose like that uh, and one offensive touchdown and a field goal because your other touchdown came on a uh, defensive touchdown. It was a deflection right into the arms of Jerome Baker. Uh they had a blitz off the edge of a play action, blew it up. Hertz tried to get rid of it. It was deflected and it went right into the arms of Jerome Baker who took it back for 7 or he took it back for 6. Uh and that tied the game because it was 17-10 going into the half. Dolphins got the ball. They couldn't do anything their drive. Um although 
there was a questionable penalty there uh, that wasn't called a questionable faceback penalty. And that happened a lot throughout the game, which I will give Dolphins fans and the Dolphins a little bit of slack here. Um, the Eagles ended this game with zero penalties. Zero. And that you that is a red flag. That is something that should never happen in an NFL game because no team plays perfect football like that. No one. Um, there were holds missed. There were defensive holdings missed. There were defensive pass interferences missed. Um, Cedric Wilson is the one I was talking about right before the, the pick six where Cedric Wilson on the sideline had his face mask grabbed, flat out grabbed. You could see it hooked, his his face moves. And when his head snaps around, he kind of throws his hands up like, what the hell? And falls down, can't complete the catch or I can't even make a, an attempt at the catch because he got face masks. And there was no flag call, which that's that's terrible. That's bad. And there were a couple calls like that. Um, am I going to, you know, say the refs are the reason why the Eagles won this game? No, I'm not. Uh, the Eagles won this game because they're better than the Dolphins. But it certainly made it more difficult for the Dolphins to compete in this game because of the poor officiating, for sure. Uh, so the Dolphins, their schedule, they have the Patriots next week and then the Chiefs international game, November 5th, uh, 9.30 in the morning against the Chiefs will certainly be a huge test for them. Um, and that's really the most competitive game they have. They do have the 3 p.m. Black Friday game against the Jets. So that'll be a, a pretty... Tough game for them, I think, as well, just because the Jets' defense has been playing out of their minds. Um, they play the Cowboys, the Ravens, and the Bills again. So we'll we'll see how they end up rounding out the season, what kind of quality wins they have. But uh, I would be definitely a little concerned if I was a Dolphins fan in terms of, you know, how can they compete with the teams in the upper tier of the NFL? Uh, cause they can beat up on teams that are worse than them. They, they, they never play down to teams. I'll give them that. They don't play down to worse teams. Like the bills do that. Like the bills do that. That's a perfect example. The bills, they, they're supposed to be really talented, but they always play down to worse teams. And there's a couple other teams that do that in the league, but the dolphins don't, if a team is worse than them, they will win. That's just how it goes. Like they will win. Uh, but teams that are equal to them in like that same upper tier of the NFL, uh, the Chiefs, um, the Eagles, the Niners, uh, who else in the AFC? I'm trying to think. I guess it would be the Ravens at this point in time. Um, those teams that the Dolphins are thrown into that category of, like could they beat those teams? I don't know. It would be close. It, I'm sure it would be competitive, but can they beat teams that are on par with them? That has been the question uh, for the Miami Dolphins right now. So the Niners Vikings is tonight. Uh, like I said, I'm going to assume that the Niners are, I don't know if they cover, but they're definitely going to win. That's my prediction. And then Thursday night football, Bucks, Bills, kind of a gross game. Bills at home, seven and a half point favorites. Um, 
we do have the Giants and Jets next week, so I'm excited for that one. The Giants coming off this win, and then the Jets coming off their bye. I'm excited for that uh, for that game. Uh, but that'll do it for this episode of From My Point of View. Thank you all very much for listening. Appreciate you, as always. Enjoy the rest of your week and your weekend, and I will talk to you all next Tuesday. 